when I started design school, the first question everyone asks you is, what's the difference between art and design? And the difference is that design is visual communication. So whatever you're creating has to communicate, has to hold a message. And I think it's our main challenge, especially in a place like Riskified, where nothing is visual and we need to find a visual way to communicate. Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Full Cart, brought to you by Riskified. Today, I want to bring you a special conversation I had with Tom Reznikov, our head of design. She'll take us through what it means to design for technology, why illustration is making its comeback specifically in this sector, and how brands evolve visually. So without further ado, Tom, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. Tom, can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, sure. I'm Tom. I'm the head of design at Riskified. You've been at Riskified for a long time, is that right? Yeah, actually, from the very beginning. I started as a freelance designer. Ado and Asaf contacted me to design a logo for them. So it started like something that is like here and there. And eventually I joined the team as a sole designer. And with time, the design team has grown, like Riskified has grown. And now we're 13 designers. 13 designers. That's pretty incredible. I remember seeing this picture from like the very first days of Riskified. Um, I think there's four or five people there sitting with their laptops in Ido's apartment. You're in that picture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm in that picture. That's awesome. Yeah, and the apartment was full of books. Have you seen that? Reminds me of those uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates garage origin stories. So as the person who built Riskified's visual identity from those early garage days, can you describe it for us? So a brand is a name, a term, but also a design that you can identify a company or a product by. And from a design perspective, it means using colors, shapes, and fonts to tell a visual story that is very recognized with the product. So when we're building a brand, we're actually starting from the brand values. We need to understand what we want people to feel because their visual aspect is actually connected to emotions. And we want people to look at a brand and to feel something. So in Riskified, our brand values or what we're trying to tell with shapes and colors are that we are partners, that we are positive, that we are excellent. And we have a lot of other values in mind, like being data-driven, customer-focused, innovative, confident, reliable. So we have this brand in mind and we build a visual language to communicate that. And the visual language is bold, is clean, it is relatable. We use a lot of green because green is a positive color when we actually use it from day one. The brand has evolved a lot, but the green color is something that uh, was always there. We use a lot of different visuals. For example, we use illustrations because it's fun and abstract. And we can use it to tell very complicated stories, but we use also abstract shapes like balls, for example, or circles, because it helps us to represent, for example, an order, a customer, a feature. Sometimes we need to explain to show visually processes of like machine learning. So abstract shapes can really help us to tell stories that has no visual connection. Before we jump into that, I want to take you even a little bit further back. You said in 2013, you got that phone call from Ido and Asaf, our co-founders, and they asked for a logo for Riskified. 
So how did that logo come about? What was the design process like back then? Wow, interesting. I need to go back in time to uh, refresh my memory. I remember meeting Mevido and Asaf. It was in a bar or a cafe in Tel Aviv. And they were explaining to me about this company that they're going to build that is not existing yet even. And I knew nothing about this industry at all. Like, had no idea. Not about fintech or fraud or credit cards. So I remember myself actually holding all this information in my head and then coming back home and just like surfing the internet, trying to find out whatever I need to understand and learn. I think like from day one, they were talking about helping businesses approving more orders. So it was very clear that we're going to tell a positive story. And that's the reason the logo turned out to have these check marks within the logo type. So even if it's just text that says Ristified, we have a hint that it's positive, that we are aiming up, to having a goal ahead of us, and we support growth, for example. It's interesting that you say that it was clear to you that the message should be positive, because, I mean, as a company, we are inherently dealing in a negative space, right? We're stopping fraud, and fraud is a bad thing. It's scary. People and companies lose their money, so it can be painted in a negative light. But what you're saying is directly the opposite. I mean, not that fraud isn't bad, but that the messaging around it can be framed positively. Yeah, because the first business model that we had back in 2014 is that you send us the orders that you're about to decline anyway, and we're going to approve them. We're taking the negative and turning it into a positive. I think our tagline was um, riskified reviews, approves, and guarantees transactions that you would otherwise decline. It was a new concept. There was nothing like that in the market back then. And we needed to actually explain what does it mean. And that's the reason it was very clear that the story should be positive. And it's very interesting because back in the day, most of the companies were using scare tactics. So fraud detection tools were like black with uh, red, uh, a lot of warning colors. They had like visuals of criminals and thieves uh, stealing things. It was very specific. And then Risky Fate came and actually showed something that was totally new and totally different. And how has Riskified's visual language evolved since then? I mean, as you said, we kept the green. By the way, is it the same green, the same hex code? No, it's not. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it evolved. We did a massive change to the uh, shade of color. At the beginning, it was more like bright and playful. And now it's grown and the message is more elegant. And so does the shade of color. And I think it took us a year to convince people it's not the same green. People thought it was the same? People couldn't see the difference at all, <laughs> even though I'm telling you, I can show you now. It's completely different uh, color. So this is something that has changed. And actually, the visual brand has changed, like the business has changed. If back in 2013, we were working with small, medium businesses, today we're working with much larger merchants. And that means that we need to also match our brand to the people we're collaborating with. We invented a world that helps us explain a lot of complicated flows we have in our systems. We also have more products today, so we needed to have a brand that can hold various ideas to show how they're connected. So we have a lot of sub-brands within the brand. And yes, it's actually constantly evolving, same as Riskify. Speaking of visualizing Riskify's flows and products, can you speak to the challenges of that? The biggest challenge as a designer is to 
first understand deeply what I'm trying to visualize. So it sometimes can take time because if I'm assuming something and it's not correct, I will not visualize it well. And after gaining the understanding that I need, the most challenging thing is to actually visualize something that has no uh, shape, that is invisible. We need to imagine something or to find a good analogy so we can start to tell a story for something that has no body or shape. I think this is the most challenging and for me also the most fun part. And then we can build a story. And here the challenge is just to create a good storytelling um, from a visual aspect with the beginning, a middle, like a peak point and end, something that people can actually relate to. Do you have an example of like a really complicated tech concept that you had to illustrate or design? Yes, I do. If you're going to a website on our homepage, we have a 3D animation that explains the entire solution flow. What is the process, how it behaves and how it divides our products and different solutions. This was a massive challenge. At some points, we remember that we were talking and said, wow, uh, we might not be able to do it. Because it was to explain something super complicated with 10,000 flows and actually to create something that is coherent, that it's relatable. And eventually uh, we used the balls. So for example, the balls enter the stores and then like a window of shield scans it because we want to know if the order is good. And then it enters the bank and the bank is like a black box. You can't see, but then the bank turns transparent because we can help making simpler flows with the banks, right? And then it comes to the end of the path and it's like a pile of balls because they adds up together to see how your revenue can grow. So it's using a lot of analogies with one actor here, it's the ball, but it has a kind of a journey. Uh, and for us, it was super complicated to simplify. And still we know that it takes time to read it. It has so many small details and stories that we think today that we can do better. I think a big part of the problem is that, like you said before, you're trying to represent every riskified solution in one single visual. And that's very complicated when you have solutions dealing with account protection alongside our chargeback solution or our PSD2 solution and, and so on. We learned a lot from it. First, we know how to tell the stories. Now we know how to tell them better. And we know how to use those analogies. So I think this was a huge jump to where the design team is uh, today. And now we're working to enhance and add more graphic elements because we realize that it doesn't serve us well as it used to be. And we need to add more actors to the stage. So you mean that the balls could only take you so far and, and now you need to develop it further? It's about being consistent and have a clear logic. Because as we said, we invented the world, right? And then it has to have some ground rules. It has to have logic. So if a ball represents an order and represents a customer and represents a feature, so it, it can't represent all because it just loses the logic. So now we need to understand the new logic and add more actors in order to make it work for us as designers. How does your team go about thinking what these new actors will look like? Okay, I'll give you an example from a recent material. We created a lot of decks for the Merchant Summit event we did recently. We needed to invent a lot of new visuals for new stories that we're telling. And if we're talking about actors and we have the ball, which is an order, so we can't, when we're talking about features, for example, to use this actor anymore, we needed to invent something new. 
we use a very basic shape. We used uh, a square and it's evolving to a lot of different uh, rectangles and uh, shapes that are creating together as we connect those building blocks and then we create a feature. So it's super abstract, but when you look at it, it you just understand it better. At least this is my goal and the design team goal. And I think like when I started design school, the first question everyone are asking you is what's the difference between art and design? And the difference is that design is visual communication. So whatever you're creating, it can be super creative. It can be not creative at all. It has to communicate. It has to hold a message. And I think it's our main challenge, especially in a place like Riskified where nothing is visual and we need to find a visual way to communicate. You just touched briefly on your time at design school. Take us back there. What were you doing before that phone call from Idona Saf? And what was it like making that transition? I graduated from Design Academy and I immediately started freelancing. I didn't work in a studio or anything. And mostly the projects I've been involved in were about like culture and music. I designed a lot of music albums. I had a record of, I think, every band I designed the cover for, they broke after it. So yeah, maybe it's good that I did this transition. But I got a chance to actually print albums and print vinyl covers. So yeah, it felt like print is not dead. And when I started to work with Riskified, as I told you, like I had no idea about the startup nation. Like, it wasn't my world at all. And I kind of fell in love with it. I think, first of all, um, working with smart, exciting people, building something new, the startup um, atmosphere when you can run really fast and make very big progress in very uh, little time. It was very exciting to me. But the design work was super different. When you design an album cover, for example, for music, for a band or a single or whatever, what you do is just listen to the music, maybe meet the artist, understand like where they're coming from, what are they aiming for. But it's a creative process where you're kind of doing whatever you want because it has communicated only an emotion. And for working in Riskified, as I said, the main challenge is actually the opposite. It takes something very... conceptual and to find a way to tell it visually. My background was to take something emotional and to create uh, a visual that will support this emotion. And working in the tech industry is to take a complicated story that has maybe no emotions and find a visual way to tell maybe also an emotional story. So it has a connection, but uh, I think the challenge is very, very different. Having made the creative transition that you made, how do you see the role of illustration in the tech industry? Personally, I have to say that I'm very excited that we're using illustration so much and actually a lot of really big, interesting brands using illustration. From a personal note, I remember studying visual communication, so I didn't major in illustration. I took some classes, but like... No one wanted to major illustrations because the period that I actually studied graphic design, everyone talked about how the print is dead and how no one going to have jobs and especially in illustrations because back then they were teaching uh, illustration for editorial and uh, newspapers and it's actually a dang profession. 
And I remember people who actually took illustration were like the craziest people at school. And today you can see it just took a pivot and it's a renaissance of illustration right now, I feel. And it's really, it's a small win against this changing world. In Riskified, we always use illustrations because it's a great way to tell stories easily without having them be committed to the realistic world. I think every designer that is joining the team eventually deals with having to illustrate false declines and then come to the group, ask them, I, I don't know, I just, how can you illustrate false declines? So using the illustrations can actually bypass challenges like this because you're not obligated to reality. You can use symbols or metaphors and it's a great tool. And with the blog, we feel it can be more free and use more humor so we can actually take illustrations to the next level. I don't know if it happened by chance or not, but in my team, we have a lot of skilled illustrators, so it's really fun. We can create new worlds really easily because it's a specific skill. It doesn't mean that every designer can illustrate. When, when you do know how to do it, you can build amazing things with it. So you just very recently introduced a new illustrative language for the blog. Can you tell us about that process? Yeah, actually, we're very excited to launch it. It was a very long process. I think everything began because we did the 2019 yearly retro where every designer reviewed all his or her projects and tried to write like what he learned, what we can improve, what is working, what not. And then some of the conclusions were that the current illustration language that we used to have wasn't working well for us. People looked exactly like people and the measurement and sizes were actually realistic, but we wanted it to be more bold. We wanted to tell more emotional stories, to be more engaging. We wanted to be more abstract and have less details. And then it was a process of about four months when we started to play with new illustration languages. The process on working on this was very unique because we collaborated together, the entire team, and tested a lot of different variations until we found the right one that can work for everyone on the team. How do designers collaborate? What does that process look like? So first of all, every designer on the team could suggest a direction. We took the same visual, the same sketch, and then every designer could suggest a different language. And then we reviewed it together. We scored it. In a discussion, we decided what has the best potential. And then we started to drill down to it. At that point, two designers from my team, Shay and Noam, started to work on it more deeply. And then they had to create a system that can actually work for everyone, meaning to create a color scheme so it can work together and be consistent. And understanding how we're using characters or elements and what is the amount of elements that we need to use in a post. And it came into a place where they started to test even the smallest thing because they need to create a system that then if a designer who didn't create this and can actually work with it and it will still be on brand. So for example, they created type of eyes, type of ears, type of hair. Like what is the specific correct way to illustrate a nose? So we have a very detailed deck with all the tests and eventually uh, now I think everyone knows exactly how to illustrate and it's whenever we have something to illustrate, everyone are kind of like desiring to get a chance to start rolling it out. So it's really exciting. It is exciting. It's a very bold and noticeable change. And you actually wrote a blog post about the process with some examples of the different features you tested out. So we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Be sure to check that out. 
And I think that's a wrap for us, Tom. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you. And as always, thanks to my co-creator, Amarel Venker. Before you go, if you enjoy our podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to us. And don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast app of choice so that you never miss a fresh episode. See you next time.